you've been in a teaching series called I Fear God. And, um, and, and in this teaching series, your pastors have been helping you meditate on what it would mean for Grace Covenant Church to take really seriously the holiness, the beauty, the wonder, and the terrifying reality of God's otherness. And I use those words really intentionally because while it is true that God is imminent, God is here, he has drawn near to us by the person of his son Jesus and by pouring out the Holy Spirit into the church and by by being close to us who draw near to him, all of that is true. It is also true at the same time that he is utterly, utterly transcendent, that he is nothing like you at all that he is glorious, that he is eternal, that he is holy, that he is majestic, that he has all goodness, that he has all knowledge, that he has all power, and that he is the sovereign king, and you are not. And and living, living out the fact that God is both of those can be really, really hard. And so the Bible gives us a key to that, and the key is the fear of the Lord, and that's what you've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. And so what I want to do today is help you maybe complete that journey um, by connecting the concept of fear of the Lord and the concept of wisdom. And so uh, we're going to jump to the book of Hebrews. And so if you have a Bible, I'd like for you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 12 or scroll to Hebrews chapter 12 or just look at this really beautiful. I look better on that screen than I look better in reality. Wow. Um, We'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. Please stand with me if you are able for the reading of God's holy, infallible, authoritative word. I will read, we will pray, and then God will speak to us through this text. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now in my congregation, we have this little tradition where I say, after the reading of the text, this is the word of the Lord, and they reply, thanks be to God. So do make me feel a little bit at home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart please you. Lord, we're told in scripture that the enemy comes to blind our eyes, distract our minds. So God, help us focus, unstop our ears, soften our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So I have a collection of humans that I started a few years ago. (laughs) There are these people up there. Well, that's just me. Yes, here they are. So this is my wife, Hope. We met uh, in high school. Um, I was 15. She was 16. We were in math class. She sat ahead of me, so she got an A. And uh, she sat ahead of me, so I got a C. Um, And uh, we... I was highly motivated to marry this girl. I just, I knew that I knew. It's not common, and no, I was never, like, uh, you know, confused by anything. I just, I was like, her. I went to marry that one. So I shoved my four-year degree into two years, and I got married a week after graduation, and we immediately were like, let's make people. Um, So we did. Um, Our oldest child, uh, right there at the top, her name is Alana. She is 
great. She plays the violin. She's about to go to college, so I feel very old, and I'm about to be very poor. Um, her younger sister down at the bottom right is Nora. Nora is probably one of the most talented visual artists I've ever met in my life. She can paint. She can draw. She loves people. She, has, uh, she speaks fluent Spanish, and she feels called the missions. I love this kid. Uh, just above Nora is my son Cole, who is now, he's put on like 25 pounds of muscle since this picture like four months ago, which is really intimidating to me as his father. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but uh, man, he knows all things baseball. If you want to know any stat about the Red Sox at any point from any point in history, he has a Rain Man-like knowledge of that. And this is my son, Wyatt, and he is the exclamation point at the end of our baby-making career. <laughs> we, we went out with a bang. His initials literally spell the word wham. Uh, and that's the noise he makes most of the time. Um, he plays the cello because we needed an instrument that would hold him down. Um, and uh, uh, he is, he's a blast. He's a blast. Um, I, I show this to you, one, uh, because I think it's important that you, that I, I'm a real person, guys. Look, I have people. Uh, but the second is because it sort of ties into what we're talking about today. Because with every one of these people that Hope and I have created and parented, some version of this conversation about where the line of sin is has happened, right? As they've gotten older and they've gotten a little bit, you know, the teens are like kind of looking around like, hey, dad, she's cute. What, uh, what's sin again? <laughs> um, all right, okay. Hey, Dad, uh, I'm seeing this thing, like, on social media, but what's sin again? Hey, Dad, I'm being asked these questions about what it means to be human, what it means to be male, what it means to be female, what it means to be married, what it means to have a body, what it means to f- feel deeply. What's sin again? And it reminds me of the same kind of conversations I've had as a pastor over and over again, where people come to me and they're dating someone usually that they shouldn't be dating. <laughs> yeah, let the listener understand. There might be some of you in here. That was all the sermon you needed. Um, um, and, and the conversation goes like this. Hey, pastor, I just am in this situation and like, I'm just curious, like, where is the line of sin? Because... Sin is really fun, and what I'd like to do is just make sure that I can, you know, I don't want to sin, but I, you know, where, where's the line? And what I want to show you today is how the fear of the Lord does a great job, great job at steering us away from sin and gets you started on wisdom. But wisdom is how you walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. And that's why I wanted to bring you to Hebrews chapter 12. See, the fear of the Lord helps you go, yeah, no, that's sin. And based on what I understood Bishop to preach last week, I listened to to Bishop Brett's sermon last week. It was great, Um, which, by the way, it's just an honor to be in this house, I should say. Uh, As an Every Nation pastor in this region, we we come to your house often when you're not here, uh, and we'll have these, like, um, gatherings regionally, and and it's always been a a privilege and pleasure to come into this space, but uh, I just want to honor Bishop Brett and Miss Cynthia and the whole Fuller family and your whole staff, because it's just a really beautiful church that you have here. Um, I know he's not here, but (laughs) I just love that man. Um, One of the things that he said last week was that his, his life's mission is basically to bring a smile to God's face. Part of how we do that is by avoiding sin. But really living in the way that he wants us to live requires wisdom. 
wisdom. And that's why I brought you to Hebrews chapter 12. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 this, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What I want to show you is that weight and sin are not the same. Okay. My wife uh, runs marathons because she likes pain. I don't know. She runs marathons. And and when she was training for the Boston Marathon, I remember we, we got to spend a lot of money buying lighter and lighter shoes and clothes and all kinds of things because, you know, you start running more than five miles and a couple of ounces start to matter, I guess. I don't know. I will never know. Um, and I'll run a marathon if a T-Rex is chasing me, but that is the only reason. Um, no, I won't. I'll get caught and eaten. It's not true. Not true. But I'm short, so it was little arms. I don't know. <laughs> We're running away from sin, and when we run from sin and run to Jesus, the metaphor that the author of Hebrews is giving to us is that, okay, you've got to let go of sin, which is going to keep you from run- running, but there are things other than sin. There are these things called weights, and weights don't help you run. I remember the first time I asked this, where is the line of sin question to my youth pastor? I was dating a girl that I shouldn't have been dating. And that's what I want to know. Pastor, she's pretty cute. What am I allowed and not allowed to do? And he turned his Bible open to this passage of scripture. And he said, Adam, that's the wrong question. Here's a better question. What helps you run? (laughs) Right? Okay. Uh, so I got mad at him and left. <laughs> but he was right. Fearing God steers you away from sin and gets you started on wisdom. Okay, so therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Fearing God will get you clear of sin, and that is good. But listen to me, my friends. You are followers of Jesus, and your mission in life is not to avoid sin. Followers of Jesus are not merely motivated by avoiding sin. Here's why. Because we've already been accepted. We've already been adopted. We're already in the family of God. Jesus has already paid for our sin. So our motivation in life cannot be to the psychological need to avoid sin. Jesus has paid for our sin. You will, in your journey of following Jesus, sin sometimes, and you will need to, as the book of Proverbs says, though the righteous fall seven times, he does what? Gets back up, and you come back to Jesus. But we can't be motivated merely by avoiding avoiding sin, because if all we're thinking about is sin, then we're not thinking about the satisfaction that our Savior has given to his Father on our behalf. You meet some Christians that are just so driven by the avoidance of sin. That's not holiness. Holiness is God-likeness. Like, Jesus didn't walk around going, I better not touch a dead body. Uh, Like, he didn't do that. He wasn't constantly worried about sinning. He was constantly aware of God. Okay? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord will drive you away from sin. And when I say fear, I mean wow, and I mean whoa. I mean, wow, God, you are amazing. But I also mean Isaiah 6, Isaiah thought he was going to die. In Hebrew, it says, I'm going to melt. Like, woe is me. We don't talk like that, but that was the strongest way he could communicate, I'm done. Fear of the Lord will help you avoid sin, but what about all of these weights? What do we do with these things that 
seem to be attached to our lives that keep us from running after Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured that. How do we run after Jesus? Here's why I want to talk to you about this, because as I was praying for you, in your culture, and I believe part of just the calling of this church is that in this city and in the wards to which you are planting other congregations, praise God, this congregation is called to be a people that walk in wisdom. Like, a people that walk in the ways of God, not just a people who avoid sin, but a people who know the right way to walk, even when, like, okay, don't do this, but what do we do? Okay, don't, don't sin, got that, but where, in fact, do we go? I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Bible does not tell you exactly how you should treat the device in your pocket or the relationships that you have or the money in your bank or the kind of job that you should take. And if you pretend that it does, you're mistreating the text. That's not, the Bible's not about you. The Bible is filled with the story of God who loves you, but in order for you to walk with God, you are going to need the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God steers you away from sin and gets you started on wisdom, but wisdom is how you walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. So let's see what this text has to say about wisdom. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, doing what first? Looking to Jesus, what do you look at most of the time? Many of you are looking at it right now. Go ahead, pull your phone out of your pocket. I mean, your pacifier out of your pocket. Go ahead, go ahead. Looking to Jesus. And I know, but pastor, I have the Bible app. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah, 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 I've got a bunch of them. Yeah, I have the Bible in many languages on my phone. Yeah, I even have academic Bible study software. That is not necessarily what I look at all the time. Looking to Jesus. You've actually got to do a little audit, like right now, in your soul. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, what are you looking at? Because, as it has been said many times, you become what you behold. What you celebrate, you will replicate. What you see, you will savor. Come on, I didn't make up any of these, but they're... This device that we walk around with, there is no text in scripture that tells you what to do with the internet. The fear of the Lord will steer you away from sin and get you started on wisdom. But wisdom is how you walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. And that device in your pocket is part of a global technopoly designed to form you in a way not following Jesus. I Look, I'm not, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not anti-technology. Obviously, we're not anti-technology in this church, Right? I'm not saying, you know, let's all move to, uh, you know, the woods of Pennsylvania, get, get dresses and doilies and churn butter. Like, that's fine. <laughs> but some of you should think about getting a flip phone. I'm not, I, I mean it. Like, some of you should think about carrying a book around so that you have something else to do with your eyes. Because you can't run to Jesus if you don't look at him or if you only look at him for five minutes in the morning. And for the rest of the time, you're on your, you're on your apps. You're on your news feed. Some of you, look, I recognize that I'm in the greater Washington, D.C. area and I hear that you guys are into politics. <laughs> and some of you, you know more about what Ben Shapiro says than what Jesus Christ says. 
And others of you, you're like way more in tune to what MSNBC has to say than you are to quiet your soul and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay. There is no text in Scripture that's going to tell you which news feed to get. There is no text in Scripture that's going to tell you how much time you ought to give to this thing versus that thing. Fear of the Lord will help you avoid sin and get you started on wisdom. But wisdom, wisdom, my friends, is how you walk with God in this twisted and broken culture. And you live in a twisted and broken culture. We don't know what humans are. We don't know what it means to be male or female. We don't know what good means. We don't know what evil means. We don't know what we mean when we say those words and no one has any idea how to root them. And now we've conditioned an entire generation to stop thinking with their minds and to begin thinking with their hearts so that whatever feels good is good. That's foolishness. And foolishness, according to my Bible, leads to death. King Solomon wrote a whole book to his son, and he said, My son, look, I want you to wed your life, not to Lady Folly. Don't marry her. Look, she's real cute, and her bed looks nice, but its foundations are in hell. Don't do that. Instead, wed yourself to Lady Wisdom. So Proverbs 31 at the end of the book of Proverbs is like this this reification of wisdom is this amazing woman who's like killing it. She's amazing. She's hardworking. She loves God. She's got a business. Like she's crushing life. That's lady wisdom. Wed yourself to that. And also if you can find a woman like that, young men. <laughs> wisdom is how you walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. Looking to Jesus, you've got, you really do have to think about, my friends, what occupies your attention? Because if I can get your attention... I can get you to do whatever I want. You are the commodity today. Your attention is what billion dollar, multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar companies compete for all of the time. Doom scrolling, the endless scrolling, the red dot on your phone was designed by a dozen neuroscientists who know how to hack the oldest and dumbest part of your brain. Do you know that? Like you are the thing they're mining. You are the thing they're selling. Your attention, your mind, your devotion. And so here we come saying, we're going to run to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And in Silicon Valley, they're like, sure you are. Let's give them a dot. And we're like, ooh, I have red dots. Hold on, Jesus. Okay. Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. When we look to Jesus, we have to consider what occupies our attention and our minds. When we read this next passage, the author and the perfecter of our faith, we have to ask ourselves the question, what story does our life preach? Jesus is the author and the perfecter. The word perfect in Greek is not, we think of perfect as like flawless, but in Greek, it's actually the word telos, like your pastor. It means like the appointed end or the completion of a thing. And so he's the author, and some of your translations will say the finisher of our faith. That's probably better here. He's the guy who starts and ends the story. So we're looking to Jesus, we're eyes on Jesus, we're running away from sin, we've got wisdom, so we're avoiding sin, and we're getting started on wisdom, we fear God, okay, and we're throwing off weights and sins that cling so closely, and we're running after Jesus, looking at him, because he's the author and the finisher of our story. You should try this. Every time you hear or read or use the word narrative in a day, put a dollar in a jar. By the end of the day, you will have all of your dollars in the jar. 
Because today, we really love the, the word narrative. Oh no, we're going to start a narrative, and we've got to change the narrative, and we've got to be a part of the narrative, and we've got to tell stories, and we've got to sit down and have a conversation. Wave at me if you have heard this odd infinitum. We're doing this in your business now, right? We need to all get together, have an all-staff meeting about the narratives that we're you know, preaching in biotech, or the narratives that we're doing in government. You're like, I just want to finish my TPS report and go home. Why are we here for the 55th meeting about the narrative? Our culture loves stories right now. We love them so much that we've invented multiple apps for us to tell our own stories into a watching world that we hope cares. And in fact, we've, <laughs> we've become convinced that unless we tell our story, we're not actually alive. We're not actually fully human. We've not actualized. That's a bunch of malarkey, by the way. Wisdom is how we walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. So we've got to have a moment where we think about, okay, is the story that my life is preaching the story where Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. I told you what you look at is usually dominated by technology and the technopoly, but the story that you're living out is usually dominated by what you really love or what you're really afraid of. Let me give you an example. Many of you have children. I have children too, four of them. And if they each have a thing to do, it means I have no time. All of my children play an instrument, and all of them are allowed to have one extracurricular on top of that. My wife homeschools all but the oldest one of them, and, uh, and I have three jobs. We're very busy people. If my life is spent running them from thing to thing, oh, we can't come to church today because there's an orchestra con. Oh, we can't come to church today because soccer. We can't come to church. We're gonna have we'll watch church on the way to our thing, Pastor. Don't worry then eventually what's happening is the story that my life is telling to my children is not that Jesus is Lord, the scriptures are true, and living for him is actually the most important and beautiful thing that you could possibly do. It's actually the story that culture is telling me that I am what I do, that I am what I achieve, and that if I don't get the maximal payback from my athletic abilities and the maximal payback from my academic abilities and the maximal payback from my whatever abilities, then I'm not living up to my full potential. And if I don't live up to my full potential, who really am I? And if my children can't achieve what I didn't achieve, who really am I? Some of you are preaching the story to your children that soccer matters more than saving faith in Christ. Some of you are preaching with your life that your money matters more than making disciples. Now, I'm not mad at you. It's not about that. But I told you, fear of the Lord will help you avoid sin and get you started on wisdom. Praise God. But wisdom is what's required to know how do you navigate Life with children in a suburb of the nation's capital when everyone around you seems to be like, oh, you've got to do, okay, and got a PTA meeting, and okay, we both need to work. We gotta, I don't know, where are we going on vacation? And I know that my child is only three, but we need to get them in the right preschool because they need to go to an Ivy League. <laughs> Side note, no, they don't. No, they don't. I pastor more Harvard students than anyone ever. I think that's, I think that's true. Um, I know, I, I know that my church has the largest ministry to Harvard University that exists and has existed for a long, long time. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You can skip it. It's okay. It's great. Uh, what, are, what are we... Mo Guys, I've, I've been to the other end of the rainbow. It's not worth sacrificing the formation of your family 
It's not. It's just not. Form your family to love and follow Jesus. Form your life around. But do you hear what I'm saying? There is no scripture that's going to tell you exactly what to do about that. You have to grab onto wisdom and say, Lord, I need your wisdom because this is a twisted and weird world. And I don't know exactly how, and it's not super clear. And listen, there's freedom in Christ. What might be wise for your family would be slightly different for another family. And that's why we call it wisdom, okay? You have to understand that there's sin, which is to be avoided, and then there's stupid. Okay, the list of things that are sin is actually relatively small compared to the sea of things that are stupid, right? Is it sinful? To, I don't know, eat terribly and never sleep? No. Is it stupid? Yes. Yes, it is. So oftentimes, if if all we're thinking about is avoid sin, avoid sin, avoid sin, we can actually end up living really foolish, really unwise, really unfulfilled lives because we're not following Jesus with them because we're not living wise. All right, I've got to move on. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross Jesus could suffer in his culture because he was relying on God's power. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Jesus understood that on the other side of the cross, there was a joy that was so good, that was so worth it, that even if there was this cross that was going to really be awful, to endure. On the other side of it, there was resurrection, there was life, there was power that death could not hold him down, that was, that was going to please his father. And if he did this really hard thing, even though everyone said it was stupid, not the right way, not worth it, if he trusted his father on the other side of that difficult thing, that it took lots of spirit-led wisdom to get him to, then there would be a church on the other side. There would be his bride on the other side. There would be you and me on the other side who he would be able to present to his father as our great high priest and say... My father, I have washed my bride. And he can present us to God. He, he understood that suffering was never without point. Fearing God steers you away from sin and gets you started on wisdom. But wisdom is how you walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. Ultimately, the only reason why you would walk with God in wisdom and avoid what your culture promises is good, avoid what your culture says would actually benefit you, is because you understand that on the other side of bearing your cross in this culture, there is resurrection life, there's resurrection power, there are promises for you that make saying no to things on this side of the veil worth it. Some of you might say no to your children and their constant request for a phone, which you should. And they might not be thought of as cool. Well, someone clutch my pearls. <laughs> I finally sat down with my son the other day. I was like, I don't care if you're cool. I know you care. But in like three years, you won't care. And after those three years, there's going to be like 80 years where you'll never think about it again. But I tell you what, in these three years, if I let you pursue cool, these next 80 years could be really jacked up for you. So if you're giving me the choice between disappointing you and disappointing God, I'm afraid I'm going to choose you every single time. Now, 
There's no verse in the Bible that tells me to do that. Fearing God helps me avoid sin and gets me started on wisdom, but wisdom is what's required to walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. Jesus could suffer and live because he relied on God's power. Now, maybe some of you are like, oh, that just means I gotta listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, but how will you know what he sounds like if you never pay attention to him? How will you know what God sounds like if you are always on your phone chasing the red dot, if you're always in your office chasing the next dollar bill, if you're always doing the next thing, if we don't know how to hear God and form ourselves around the story of God and the ways of God? You see, the word of God is what God's voice sounds like. And very often we can say the Holy Spirit told me something and it might have been a spirit or it might have been your lunch. We don't know. The only way we know is the fruit it produces and how well it matches up with Holy Scripture. So can we stop? I'm not your pastor, so you don't do this to me. But don't come up to your pastors and be like, well, the Lord told me. Maybe he told you. Did you know the Lord gave you some pastors to help you discern if the Lord told you? They got very quiet on that one. I don't get any amens on that either. The fear of the Lord gets us started on wisdom. But wisdom is how we walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. Here's the good news, my friends. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm feeling now pretty convicted, Pastor Adam, that I'm not walking in wisdom. Okay. That's okay. Because Jesus didn't just come to die for my sins, but for my foolishness. And Jesus didn't just come to live and give me law to help me avoid sin, but show me the right way of God. And so Jesus himself is the embodiment of wisdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in Christ, therefore, we can, two, two things amazing happen. We can receive forgiveness for our sins and freedom from our foolishness and friendship from the same Holy Spirit that empowered him. Do, do you see that? Jesus Christ lived his whole earthly life filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Which means that when you come to Jesus, you don't just get forgiven of your sins and set free and clean of all that stuff, but the same Holy Spirit who was guiding Solomon to write the book of Proverbs, the same Holy Spirit who is present with God to oversee the creation of all things, the same Holy Spirit who empowered the Son and brought him back from that empty tomb, the same Holy Spirit now lives in the church and can guide us and lead us, but we have to learn to hear what he sounds like. And we learn to hear what he sounds like Starting with the fear of the Lord, absolutely starting with the fear of the Lord, but not stopping with it. Fearing the Lord gets you started on wisdom and steers you away from sin. But wisdom is how you walk with God in a broken and twisted culture. Jesus is wisdom embodied, the very mind and heart of God wrapped in human flesh. He lived a perfect life for us, perfectly fearing God, showing us what a wise life is like. He walked in the fullness of wisdom, in communion with God, and in communication with the Holy Spirit. And he sacrificed himself for people who had intentionally and willingly separated themselves from God so that we, fools, sinners, fighters, rebels, could be brought back into God's family. And not just set in God's family to avoid sin, but to know the way to go. I started by telling you that I've had this conversation many, many, many times. Like, Dad, where's the line of sin? How do I avoid sin? Is this sin? And th listen, those are good questions. Those are good questions. They come from a pure place. But there's another question. 
Dad, what helps me run? Dad, what's the best way to run after Jesus, given my gifts? Given, Dad, how do I run after Jesus in high school with, when they're saying this about me? And Dad, I know I need technology in my life, but like, what do I, do you see Chantilly, Virginia, greater Washington, D.C., if, if the people of God started walking, not just telling, not just pointing out sin, but walking with God in a wisdom that marked our lives, the wisdom that only comes from the Holy Spirit, do you see how attractive that life is? Do you see how at the, at the pickup line at school or at the PTA meeting or like at, at the office pool or wherever it is that you spend your time, when people start seeing like, okay, she's not just a follower of Jesus, but her life is shining and she's avoiding all the stupid stuff that my life seems to be marked by. How do you do that? How, how do you do that? What I want to remind you of is that the fear of the Lord will help you steer away from sin and get you started on wisdom. But wisdom, wisdom is what we need. Wisdom is what we need to walk with God in a twisted and broken culture. Now, some of you in here, you're followers of Jesus. This is a church after all. This is where we find you. And so maybe today the response is simply, Lord, I've been trying to avoid sin and what I need to do is to run after Jesus. So help me see what are the weights. Like, is my phone a weight, God? Would you, have you ever asked God that? Like, Lord, which of these apps are just weights? Like, do I need to be on social media? God, I know I care about politics, but is my podcast game just a little bit... God, I know that these things could be... I really want to encourage you. Ask God to show you like what do I do with this Lord and he will fathers and mothers ask God to show maybe you didn't need a little culture change in your family yo we've had to reset culture in my family many times like that photoshopped picture that I showed you that is not the way things are okay I didn't show you the picture where we all fight or get upset or misunderstand one another or hurt one another We've had many, many times where we've had to go, okay, wait, 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 Lord, we have no idea what to do. And we need wisdom. The choice wasn't between sin and not sin, but like, which is the way? What would it be like if here in Chantilly there was a congregation that knew the way? They could show the way. The culture's not going to figure it out. Like, they, they don't know, you know. It, you all know and love Stephen Mansfield in this church. I love him too. His favorite apologetic question is, how's that working out for you? <laughs> it's not working well. We're the dumbest, the most mentally unwell that we've ever been. It's not working. And all we know to do is more cowbell. Just let's have more technology. Let's try that. Let's try less sleep. This congregation can walk in a way of wisdom that shows people the, not just the way of Jesus, but the goodness of the way of Jesus. So many of your neighbors, and I say this prophetically to you, so many of your neighbors are not wondering if God is real and if Jesus is real, but if it's really good news to follow him. Because it doesn't feel like good news to them. Because they've seen him here. For those of you who aren't yet followers of Christ and you're here just peeking over the fence of Christianity, I want to tell you there is a way of wisdom 
there is a way of wisdom that God is calling you to walk in, and it is not walk in wisdom so that God will love you or walk in wisdom so that you will be blessed. Rather, it is Jesus Christ who is the power of God and the wisdom of God who in all of our foolishness came to suffer for you and came to forgive you and came to die for you and came to redeem you and take from you your shame, take from you your sin, take from you all of the stupid things that you've done and all of the stories that they tell about you and set you in a new family, in a new congregation, in a new place, give you a new spirit and a book full of new ways and a new story if you will first come to him and say, Jesus, would you make me new? Then, oh man, it would be our great joy in this church, I know, to help you look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, even for the very first time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time together. And God, I'm asking that in this moment, in response to the preaching of your word, God, would you show us what we are doing that might just be foolish? God, I'm so grateful for a church that wants to be holy. I'm so grateful for a congregation that wants to walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Yes. Yes, Lord. We want that. But Lord, now we're asking for the next thing. Lord, give to us what Solomon told us to strive for. Give to us what Jesus came to embody. Give to us the words of scripture wrapped around our culture. Give to us wisdom. The wisdom of God in the twisted and broken world in which we find ourselves. Lord, in the room, there are men and women who are facing situations that are truly complicated and difficult. And they need the wisdom of God. There is a way. There's a way out. There's a way through. Show us what it is. Show them what it is. And Lord, for my friends in here who don't yet know Jesus, show them who he is, I pray. Amen.